Chapter Seven of Seventeen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Jonathan Burchard, May two thousand nine. Seventeen by Booth Tarkington. Chapter Seven. Mister Baxter's Evening Clothes. That evening, at about half past seven o'clock, dinner being over, and Mister and Missus Baxter, parents of William, seated in the library, Missus Baxter said. I think it's about time for you to go and dress for your Emerson Club meeting, Papa, if you intend to go. Do I have to dress? Mr. Baxter asked plaintively. I think nearly all the men do, don't they? she insisted. But I'm getting old enough not to have to, don't you think, Mama? he urged, appealingly. When a man's my age... Nonsense, she said. Your figure is exactly like William's. It's the figure that really shows age first, and yours hasn't begun to. Then she added briskly, Go along like a good boy and get it over. Mr. Baxter rose submissively and went upstairs to do as he was bid. But after fifteen or twenty minutes, during which his footsteps had been audible in various parts of the house, he called down over the banisters, I can't find em! Can't find what? My evening clothes. They aren't anywhere in the house. Where did you put them last time you wore them? she called. I don't know. I haven't had em on since last spring. All right, I'll come, she said, putting her sewing upon the table and rising. Men can never find anything, she observed additionally, as she ascended the stairs, especially their own things. On this occasion, however, as she was obliged to admit a little later, women were not more efficacious than the duller sex. Search high, search low, no trace of Mr. Baxter's evening clothes were to be found. Perhaps William could find them, said Mrs. Baxter, a final confession of helplessness. But William was no more to be found than the missing apparel. William, in fact, after spending some time in the lower back hall, listening to the quest above, had just gone out through the kitchen door. And after some ensuing futile efforts, Mr. Baxter was forced to proceed to his club in the accoutrements of business. He walked slowly, enjoying the full moon, which sailed up a river in the sky, the open space between the trees that lined the street. And as he passed the house of Mr. Parcher, he noted the fine white shape of a masculine evening bosom gleaming in the moonlight on the porch. A dainty figure in white sat beside it, and there was another white figure present, though this one was so small that Mr. Baxter did not see it at all. It was the figure of a tiny doglet, and it reposed upon the black masculine knees that belonged to the evening bosom. Mr. Baxter heard a dulcet voice. He is indifferent, isn't he, sweetest Floppet? Seriously, though, Mr. Watson was telling me about you today. He says you're the most indifferent man he knows. He says you don't care two minutes whether a girl lives or dies. Isn't he a mean old wicked sing, precious Floppet? The reply was inaudible, and Mr. Baxter passed on, having recognized nothing of his own. These young fellows don't have any trouble finding their dress suits, I guess, he murmured. Not on a night like this. Thus William, after a hard day, came to the gates of his romance, entering those portals of the moon in triumph. At one stroke his dashing raiment gave him high superiority over Johnny Watson and other rivals who might loom. But if he had known to what undoing this great coup exposed him, it is probable that Mr. Baxter would have appeared at the Emerson Club that night in evening clothes. End of chapter 7